Section 5 of Madame Butterfly. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Avaï in June 2010. Section 5 of Madame Butterfly by John Luther Long. Chapter 12. Like a Picture of Bunchosai. From that time until the 17th of September, not a ship entered the harbor but under the scrutiny of the glass that Lieutenant Pinkerton had left at the little house on Higashi Hill to read his signals aboard, and there were very many of them, for the war was imminent. Faith had begun to strain a little with unfaith after the first. It was very long, but on the 17th his ship came into the bay so great like a bird did she come that the glass did not find her until her white and gold mass veered to make an anchorage then all at once the gilt name on her bow was before chotru-san's eyes it was tragically sudden with a hurtling cry she fell to the floor the little maid with eastern intuition understood but she said nothing and did what was best both she and her mistress and all the world for that matter knew the comfort of this speechless sympathetic service and presently she was better and could talk i i didn't know i so glad softly laughed chocho-san but the maid had known what to expect you gone rest little now please oku-san you gone sleep little please just little rest sleep she drew her mistress's eyelids down and lightly held them chocho-san shook her off and sprang up revivified rest sleep not till he come rest peace sleep beauty chanted the maid persuasively but her mistress would not now hasten like you got eagle's wings and a thousand feet it will not be one hour not one half till he will be here my pink kimono widest obi kansashi for my hair and and poppies i will be more beautiful than i have ever been flowers alas there are no cherry blossoms how that is sad seem like we cannot be gay without them in the month of the cherry blossoms we were merry but chrysanthemums all of them and lanterns if it be black night most one thousand uh-huh <laughs> his house shall be gayer than it has ever been there shall never again be such good occasion res is beauty urged the maid holding up the mirror to her ah suzuki i am beautiful as beautiful as when he went away the maid was silent the japanese silence which is not a scent chocho-san snatched the metallic mirror out of her hand i am she cried savagely say so she brandished the heavy mirror over the girl's head i ask you to rest peace sleep that's way get beautiful once more oh once more the mirror crashed to the floor and she burst into tears just you been too trouble now you gone rest little urged the comforting maid oh all the gods i cannot i cannot till he come i shall die before 
she sorrowfully recovered the mirror no no pitiful kwanon i am no longer beautiful waiting and doubting make one soon sad and old and how long we have wait how long oh shaka but now i am happy happier than i have ever been therefore shall i be more beautiful than i have ever been again for happiness also is beauty ah suzuki be kind with me she got on her knees to the maid and laid her head at her feet an ecstatic thought came to her suzuki you shall make me beautiful to-day and to-morrow the gods shall now we have not even time to pray them not time to rest will you not can you not ah uh, you most she pulled the girl down to her and whispered the last words in her ear with her arms about her and the girl did let us not inquire how she had never yet withstood that tone and that caress there was a certain magic in her deft fingers and her mistress had it all no daintier creature need one ever wish to see than this bride awaiting anew the coming of her husband and when it was all done they each took a final delighted look into the mirror it was too small to show the whole figure but they moved it up and down and round about until every portion had been seen they both pronounced it very good stand just that way begged the maid going the length of the apartment to observe just like those new porcelains of kinkosan she declared just like those old picture of buncho sai retorted tocho-san meaning anything but that but in the way of women the world over a few more touches were necessary and it was finished now the flowers for his room take them all oh every one we shall not need them again go 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 uh-huh <laughs> and trouble make a picture of him he will be trouble no longer after to-day he gone git new name maybe joy joy her commands were obeyed within the appointed hour the house was decked as for a festival and not a flower remained upon its stem the baby had indeed become a picture and so had chocho-san and the maid and the house then they hid behind the shoji recklessly making peep-holes with their dampened fingers as they had planned there was one very low down for the baby so that he could sit on the mats which he did not choose to do and one each for the others chocho-san sang as she fixed herself at her peep-hole so as not to disarrange her finery rogabai baby off in japan you're just the picture off of a fan the maid tossed the baby like a ball into her lap <laughs> laughed madame butterfly once more everything was at last quite as they had planned it now let him come she said in a charming defiance let him come quickly and then the hour passed then two four night fell they ceased to chatter later came perfect silence then that other silence of the dead of the night the pulses of terror quickened suzuki noiselessly lighted the lanterns later at a shivering gesture from her mistress she lighted the andon in the room and then the hibachi she had grown very cold all night they watched he had the careless habit of the night 
but he did not come and all the next day they watched and many after quite silent now always the baby wondered at this and would look inquiringly from one to the other it was very strange to him this new silence the house had been full always of their laughter and chatter the patter of their feet the sighing of the shoji they did nothing now but watch and eat a little sleep a little less and less of these finally chocho-san could no longer hold the glass she lay on the mats with the baby while the faithful handmaid watched every day the faded flowers were replaced by purchased ones cheaper and cheaper ones the last money went for this and the candles which renewed the lights on the lanterns each night these were not a thousand were not a dozen now she did not think of going to him in destroying her japanese conventions this was the one thing that had been left in honor yushoku mibea bunko the young lady's old book of decorum she had read that the only woman who seeks a male is a yujo a courtesan in a week a passenger steamer came into the bay they took no interest in her but the next day quite by accident they saw him for the first time he was on the deck of the strange ship. A blonde woman was on his arm. They watched quite sleeplessly all that night. A few more lanterns were lighted. On the following morning the warship had disappeared from the harbor. Chocho-san was frightened. The sinking at her heart she now knew to be blacked out. Her little, unused, frivolous mind had not forecast such a catastrophe. There might have been a reason she had conceived for his detention aboard his ship. He was never very certain. She had not been sure that he was with her until the day before. The position of the vessel had been unfavorable for observation. Chapter 13 The Good Consul's Compassionate Lying Demoralization set in. Even the comfort of the maid was dulled. They decided that Chocho-san should go to see the good consul, while the maid and the baby remained at home to welcome him if, perhaps, he had not gone with the warship. They had already created this hope. The maid helped her down the steepest part of the hill. Nevertheless, when she arrived at the consulate, she was quite breathless. The consul was alone. There were no frivolities now. Each knew that the other understood. Me? I got little heart illness i think the girl panted in excuse of her lack of ceremony and the consul's pitying stare she looked very ill but her smile was still tragically bright the consul placed her a chair she declined it there was a moment of conscious silence then he went hesitatingly to his desk and got an envelope containing money a large sum he silently handed her this she looked at him in appealing inquiry but she did not take the money it is only only in remembrance of the um, the past he wishes you to be always happy as he says he is he confidently hopes for your good wishes and congratulations there was moisture in the consul's eyes only questioning in hers he suddenly saw that she did not understand he decided that she never should he did not speak again nor did she for a space then happy happy she murmured dizzily 
but how can i be happy if he do not come how can he be happy if if he do not come the consul was silent he still held the money toward her she tried to smile a little to make him think she was indifferent concerning his answer to the question she was about to ask ah oh ah you told him about about that joke that little joke we make on him the consul pretended ignorance she explained that bout me gone marry with yamadori and take his baby way he had to answer now oh that was too too foolish to talk about seriously pinkerton had been glad to hear it but you told him she hoped now he had not well he looked out of the window he would not strike but she would be struck but but you you told him she had raised her voice piteously yes answered the consul dully wondering what he could say next she gasped and wiped her dry lips yes that's right that's what i ask you do and and what he say she questioned huskily the consul was willing to lie as deeply as the occasion might demand the woe in the girl's face afflicted him he saw in her attire the pitiful preparations to welcome the husband he now knew to be a craven and in her face what it had cost to wait for him but in specie the lie was difficult well he began uncertainly we it all happened about as you had supposed he got very angry and would have rushed right up the hill as you thought only only what next the wish to lie had grown upon him wondrously as he went on but invention flagged the dispatches on his desk caught his eye only he was not permitted a moment's leave while in the harbor he had all these dispatches to prepare for for his government the war you know all in cipher he showed them to her a brilliant thought came into his head see they're all in his handwriting he had not written a line of them his ship was ordered away suddenly to china but he'll be back here some of these fine days and then the rest was for her at any rate he could lie no more all all the gods in heaven bless you she said sinking with the reaction she reeled and he put her into the chair her head fell limply back and her pallid face looked up at him with the weary eyes closed but there was rest and peace on it and it was still very beautiful someone was approaching in haste and he drew a screen before her chapter fourteen the blonde woman a woman entered mr sharpless the american consul she asked while crossing the threshold the consul bowed can you reach my husband at kobe by telegraph i think so who is your husband he took up a writing-pad as he spoke lieutenant pinkerton of the uh, 
One moment, for God's sake. It was too late. The eyes of the little woman in the chair were fixed on his. They even tried to smile a little, wearily, at the poor result of his compassionate lying. She shook her head for silence. I beg your pardon. I'm... I'm ready, said the consul roughly. He made no other explanation. Proceed. I should like you to send this telegram. Just saw the baby and his nurse. Can't we have him at once? He is lovely. Shall see the mother about it tomorrow. Was not at home when I was there today. Expect to join you Wednesday week by Kyoto Maru. May I bring him along? Adelaide. As she advanced and saw Chocho-san, she stopped in open admiration. How very charming! How lovely you are, dear! Will you kiss me, you pretty plaything? Chocho-san stared at her with round eyes as children do when afraid. Then her nostrils quivered and her lids slowly closed. No, she said very softly. Ah, well, laughed the other, I don't blame you. They say you don't do that sort of thing, to women at any rate. I quite forgive our men for falling in love with you. Thanks for permitting me to interrupt you. And, Mr. Sharpless, will you get that off at once? Good day. She went with the hurry in which she had come. It was the blonde woman they had seen on the deck of the passenger steamer. They were quite silent after she was gone, the consul still at his desk, his head bowed impotently in his hands. Chocho-san rose presently and staggered toward him. She tried desperately to smile, but her lips were tightly drawn against her teeth. Searching unsteadily in her sleeve, she drew out a few small coins and held them out to him. He curiously took them on his palm. They are his, all that is left of his beautiful Moni. I shall need no more. Give them to him. I like if you also say I sorry. No, no, no. Glad, glad, glad. She humbly sighed. Me? I... I wish him that happiness, same like he wished for himself, and, and me. Me? I shall be happy, maybe. Tell him I shall be happy. Her head drooped for a moment. When she raised it, she was quite emotionless, if one might judge from her face. Thank him, that Mr. B. F. Pickerton, also for all that kindness he have been unto me. Permit me to thank you, Augustness, for that same. You, you... She could smile a little now at the pretty recollection. Then the tears came slowly into her eyes. You, the most best nice man in all the whole world. She closed her eyes a moment and stood quite still. The consul said below his breath, Pinkerton and all such as he... Good night, said Chocho-san, and at the door looking back, Sayonara, and another tired smile. She staggered a little as she went out. Alas, you also have seen her, wailed the intuitive little maid as she let her mistress in. And she is more beautiful than the sun goddess, answered Chocho-san. 
the maid knelt to take off her shoes she thing me just a plaything she generously tried to smile at the maid who was weeping she touched her hair caressingly as she knelt don't weep for me little maiden account i disappoint a little disappoint don't weep for me that little while ago you asked me to rest peace sleep she said after a while wearily well go away and i will rest now i wish to rest sleep long long sleep and i pray you luke when you see me again whether i be not again beautiful again as a bride the maid did not go once more she understood her mistress but i think you love me the girl sobbed therefore go that i suffer no more go that i rest peace sleep long beautiful sleep go i beg she gently took her hands and led her out farewell little maiden she said softly closing the shoji don't weep chapter fifteen when the robins nest again she sat quite still and waited till night fell then she lighted the andon and drew her toilet glass toward her she had a sword in her lap as she sat down it was the one thing of her father's which her relatives had permitted her to keep it would have been very beautiful to a japanese to whom the sword is a soul a golden dragon writhed upon the superb scabbard he had eyes of rubies and held in his mouth a sphere of crystal which meant many mystical things to a japanese the guard was a coiled serpent of exquisite workmanship the blade was tempered into vague shapes of beasts at the edge it was signed ikesada to her father it had been honor on the blade was this inscription to die with honor when one can no longer live with honor it was in obscure ideographs but it was also written on her father's kaimyo at the shrine and she knew it well to die with honor she drew the blade affectionately across her palm then she made herself pretty with vermilion and powder and perfumes and she prayed humbly endeavoring at the last to make her peace she had not forgotten the missionary's religion but on the dark road from death to meido it seemed best now to trust herself to the compassionate augustnesses who had always been true then she placed the point of the weapon at that nearly nerveless spot in the neck known to every japanese and began to press it slowly inward she could not help a little gasp at the first incision but presently she could feel the blood finding its way down her neck it divided on her shoulder the larger stream going down her bosom in a moment she could see it making its way daintily between her breasts it began to congeal there she pressed on the sword and a fresh stream swiftly overran the other redder she thought and then suddenly she could no longer see it she drew the mirror closer her hand was heavy and the mirror seemed far away she knew that she must hasten but even as she locked her fingers on the serpent of the guard something within her cried out piteously 
they had taught her how to die but he had taught her how to live nay to make life sweet yet that was the reason she must die strange reason she now first knew that it was sad to die he had come and substituted himself for everything he had gone and left her nothing nothing but this the maid softly put the baby into the room she pinched him and he began to cry oh pitiful kwanon nothing the sword fell dully to the floor the stream between her breasts darkened and stopped her head drooped slowly forward her arms penitently outstretched themselves toward the shrine she wept oh pitiful kwanon she prayed the baby crept cooing into her lap the little maid came in and bound up the wound when mrs pinkerton called next day at the little house on higashi hill it was quite empty end of section five end of madame butterfly by john luther long thanks for listening